I pray that you, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how high, how wide, how long and high and deep is the love of Christ. This is from Ephesians 3. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. We're closing out a series this morning. I'm just going to share a few thoughts as we close the series. Uh, as we, the series is called In Our Time, lined up right with the song release. Eh? Eh? You're not impressed. I appreciate that about this church. You're not, you're not, you're not easily impressed. It's like a New England thing and a sanctuary thing combined. Everyone's like, yeah, that's cool. I love that. Sometimes. Um, man, I, uh, this series has been a gift. We started, uh, we've been dancing all around Ephesians, the back half of Ephesians, right? We talked about the first half of Ephesians just affirms this is who you are. It's written by a guy named Paul. He's written to a church in Ephesus. And he's just writing and he's just telling them, this is who you are. This is who you are. You're loved, set apart, adopted. He uses all this incredible language. We're going to come back to some of this language in the new year. Uh, but man, it's been a gift as we've been just floating around in the back half of Ephesians looking at what a spirit-filled life looks like. And so we centered everything on that text that Paul talks about in Ephesians 4 where he's saying, look, be careful then how you live for the days are evil. Be careful how you live. Be careful. Be wise. Live wisely. Be filled with the Spirit. Don't get distracted. Be filled with the Spirit. I've been reminding us week to week like all the, I did a bunch of reading on time, and it was just, I, I still am kind of enamored with it. Like how often all of these modern um, sociologists, people who are writing about the mind, psychologists, talking about these different fields, talking about how important it is the way that we view time. And how so many of them come back and their hypotheses is similar to Moses's when he writes, teach me to number my days. Be careful, teach me to number my days that I may gain a heart of wisdom. Start the death clock. Realize that today may be your last day. Like how are you thinking about these precious moments? And as followers of Jesus, people who uh, are trying to press into our identity and own that we are loved at the depth of our being, have no fear in death, that we have this grand mission that we're a part of in our life, no matter where we find our vocation, how wildly interesting or uninteresting we find our life, that we are taking part in this work that God is doing of bringing heaven to earth. Right? This is our, we're called to make disciples, joining God in the renewal of all things. We're told that God's renewing everything. That's what he's doing right now. And Paul calls us partners. Partners that we can, again, join him in the ministry of reconciliation. We've been quoting this verse every week. As though God were making his appeal through the stay-at-home parent, through the soccer uh, coach, through uh, your cubicle, like through the CEO, through the college student. As though God were making his appeal through the six-year-old. There's something about So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. To close it out, this last week, uh, we talked about in our time, in our work, in our homes was last week. By the way, man, so much feedback on last week. Just incredible to see the way that you're, you're pressing into this. It was a lousy sermon, but man, what I love, right, is that our church asked this question. Not how did I do or whoever's preaching doing. They asked this question, how am I doing? I love that about our church. You're all asking, cool, yeah, that was like the worst, like, speech I've ever heard, but there's some truth in there because you quoted the Bible a couple times. So like, how am I doing with that? I love that. 
I love that. I love that about our church. So we get to this in our streets. And I basically want to humbly submit that our um, joining together and what it looks like for us to be filled with the Spirit together, to join God together in what he's doing, is going to be in this season, maybe arguably for all time, but especially right now in our culture. I want to just bring it down to our moment right now. That Christian unity, that our togetherness is going to be one of the great gifts to our streets. It's going to be one of the great gifts to our streets, our togetherness. Our togetherness. When Paul writes to um, the, the church at Ephesus, just a reminder to all of us. When he writes to the church at Ephesus, when he's writing this book, there is no one named Ephesus. Do you know that? There's nobody named Ephesus. There's not like this like really like handsome man like named Ephesus sitting in the corner. Paul's like, Ephesus, be deeply rooted and established in God. Like, be humble. Sit down. Be hum-. Like, he's not, he's not, he's not talking to one person. For those of you new to the Bible, I get this temptation because a lot of Christians really um, don't do the best job explaining this. Whenever you see you, not whenever, almost every time you see you, and especially in the book of Ephesians, it's, it's translated as this, access your inner Alabaman, if you have that. Y'all, say it with me, y'all. Y'all, every time you read you, it's y'all. So that has massive implications for just the text that we just read, and this is why I want to just offer a few basic thoughts for us today. When he begins, uh, let's go where, where do we want to start? Where do we want to start? Verse uh, 6. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members of one body, and shares together in the promise of Christ Jesus. Let's just start there. Let's start there. There's this mystery that God's bringing these two groups we talk about often, the Gentiles and Jews that are diametrically opposed, and he brings them together. Powerful things only happen when we move together. And then he uses this body analogy, which is fascinating to me, right? Um, There are 120-something million universes that that scientists have roughly figured out there must be about that. 120 million, that's a lot. Anyone know roughly how many cells we have in our body? Anybody? I'm hoping like a a biologist stands up and say it so I don't get it wrong. It's like 70-something trillion, So for all the universes in the world, that's like a lot of universes inside our own selves. And like just imagining, right, you've got all these cells with all this intricacy going on. The only reason why I'm here talking to you like this is my cells are cooperating. And I'm just grateful that my cells have cooperated. If any one of these cells started going rogue, like, I'm not into the Andrew thing today. Peace. All right, that's when stuff starts to go wrong. You don't turn your cells into people. This is not a normal intellectual exercise for you. (laughs) Your cells just start going, hey, no, like they work together. Mutual, my cells have mutual intention to be me. That's a good thing. I think it's a good thing. Cells that find their own self-expression begin to struggle a bit with making me me. And so I think it's intentional. He uses this phrase, the body of Christ. I'm not saying Paul necessarily had that thought in mind. But he's talking about something that's working together and has to work together. And it doesn't fully work unless it's working together. 
Unless it's working together. Let's jump down to verse 10 if you're following along. Again, Ephesians 3 is where we're going to end today. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities and in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Jesus Christ our Lord. His intent was that now, being rooted and established, we often hear this as a promise, again, to just Mr. Ephesus. There are huge promises in Scripture like this. Huge promises that we don't experience often. You ever notice that? Like you, we read these things and we pine for them. And we go, why haven't I experienced that? Why haven't I experienced that sort of epicness of that promise? We could go through the laundry list. There's all, if you're new to the Bible, there's all these promises in the scripture. We so often do not experience that. The most epic promises in the scriptures come to a people not to a person. And I would just humbly submit to you that is why we so often do not experience the presence and power and promises of God. It's because it is an invitation to a whole group of people joining in together that you can't live out the way of Jesus alone. And if you try, you will never experience the fullness of God's promises. When the church comes together, when the church comes together, right, we end up making sense making sense of what community and humanity are supposed to be like. He says his intent is that the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. This is God's intent, that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God will be known. Anyone about to start like a sludge like band, a metal band or anything? Anyone about to start a good hardcore band? I just want to just humbly submit that the manifold wisdom is a phenomenal band name. Or just go the whole way, like manifold wisdom of God. Any of you know death metal, you know that's a good name, right? Amen? Swedish death metal, manifold wisdom of God, finger tapping. There's about 4% of you that are getting any of those jokes. I'm going to keep going, though. I don't care. I'm just preaching the 4%. His intent was to make the manifold wisdom of God known. Like, his whole plan of what he's doing and he says, look, celestial beings, like we don't talk a lot about angels and what that all makes sense. How whatever that is, like the heavens, he says, they don't quite get it either. Like, I, I have this image of like an angel sitting next to God and going like, are you sure this is a good idea? And trusting part of the renewal of all of the earth to these people. Right, he says the manifold wisdom, this will, this will, be, um, this will show what he's doing through a group of people gathered together is going to preach to whatever the like heavens are, to whatever the celestial beings are of what God's masterful wisdom is like, his plan is like, what his wisdom looks like fleshed out. God is using the church to make sense of this mess. And then the cross, he says it's through Jesus Christ, the cross by allowing him to be broken so we could come together. He brings us together and we begin to make sense of why God made us then in his image why would God create us with all of this creativity and all of this free will when we would just mess it up? Right? If God doesn't exist, though, the suffering still exists. <laughs> and God is here repairing the mess we made, and he does this by bringing us together. Together, it begins to make sense. Together. People who are committed to each other begin to actually experience the kind of peace that God talks about. 
when people begin to actually gather together. That's why I'm always hesitant when folks are like kind of, oh, I'm having a hard time just like really connecting in with the church. Like I, I'm having a hard time, I'm sorry, connecting with God. I'm like probably a lot of that has to do with your intention toward moving toward other people. It's so difficult when we try to live out the promises and faith and experience of God alone. I'm very empathetic to those that are leaning into that, like, oh, I'm spiritual, but I don't really go to church. I get it. I get it on so many levels. Trust me, I get it. And yet I, I'm just not convinced when I read Scripture and in my own experience that you will have any sort of deep relationship with God on your own. I just don't know if it's possible. Even those like the monks who would cloister themselves to sort of get away from the world, even there, they're doing that what? In community. In community. There's something about when we come together that it begins to make sense. We're supposed to make sense of the brokenness of the world. And even the angels who are like not, apparently in this passage, are not really quite clear on what's going on. God's like, trust me, watch when these people begin to come together, for all the ways they've jacked up creation, for all the ways that things have gone array, all the way I did not intend for this. Let's be really clear. There's a many things that God did not intend that we have done. And he goes, watch. I'm so sovereign that I'm going to take a bunch of jacked up, hypocritical, messed up, broken people, and I'm going to bring them together. And when they begin to come together, they're going to do and show the world what Paul calls a new humanity. And they're going to begin to make sense of the world. And I'm going to be manifest in their presence in a kind of way that shakes things. Anyone ever experienced that before? Anyone ever experienced like actually meeting with somebody who's like down and out and broken in the worst possible way? The other day, I met up with a friend of mine I hadn't seen in a long time. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh, being able to meet and see this person again. She was just a wreck, a wreck in every way, a wreck. And we begin to actually sit down together as she begins to cry and just dump everything that's going on in her life, just thing after thing after thing after thing after thing. The opportunity as I'm sitting there going, oh, my gosh, that's where you were. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry he did that. Oh my gosh. How long have you, like I'm looking at like her body and I'm just like, how, how sick have you really become? Like these drugs have crippled you. And I'm just going, as we begin to talk, I would bring a friend of mine in, another like spiritual leader in the community. We're sitting, we're talking to this person. And I'm just watching. I'm watching in this moment as we're dealing with like, Right, everything in my bones should be like, God, why? Why the suffering? Why this? This person was born like with one foot like in the grave. Like everything stacked against them, everything. And sure enough, as we're talking, as I'm like buying bus tickets, as I'm figuring out a place to stay, like as I'm bringing my friend in, this other like female spiritual leader who's like, we're like combing hair and like helping this person recover like tears all over my jacket. I have never in that moment, and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. This is not some special pastor thing. Like it was in that moment that I felt the presence of God in a way I haven't felt in, in months. Just the powerful reality of, oh my gosh, this, this is love. This like is the experience of what it is to the, the promises that God's a refuge it's like as I'm extending my hand to be a refuge, I'm watching God begin to not just work out the details in a supernatural way, which is a whole other story. Incredible. 
but I'm just, we are like looking around at each other, all crying. And eventually we're not just crying because of the brokenness of the situation. We find ourselves crying because we're just overcome with the love of God. There's something that begins to happen when we move towards each other. See, see, proximity, proximity ends up breeding a sort of passion for people. Proximity is what brings us together and begins to unlock the kind of love that's being talked about in this passage. When God says, look, when Paul's writing, and Paul's writing and he's saying, hey, hey, the manifold wisdom of God's plan to put this back together. Even the angels aren't quite sure what's going on. It looks a little funny. It looks kind of like a little mustard seed, as Jesus talks about, starting to grow up. It looks all messed up, and then all of a sudden, there's all these derails, right? I like to think, like, oh, the Crusades, that was not good. Like, right? Like, he's, he's like, I, I just imagine God being like, I'm so sovereign that all of these, like, like wicked turns and brokenness is coming. It's coming. It's coming. Let me step in here. Oh, you guys are all coming around together. Let me, let me just, let me step in here. This is what I'm doing. It's all coming back together. It's all, this is God's marvelous and manifold wisdom speaking over all creation that God is putting this world back together and he is inviting us to do it. A friend of mine told me recently uh, that uh, the church, many of you know, we've just been sort of pressing into some of, we just call it the weird stuff. But those of you who came up in a Pentecostal church, it's like normal Sunday. Anyone know what I'm talking about? You're just like, you know, like we're just like, I think God wants to pour out spiritual gifts. I think, right, like someone was speaking in tongues the other day, like what is going on? It's weird. And like some of you are like, yeah, that's Sunday, finally. This church is like alive. Right? We're, it's like, there's different streams, different expressions we're trying to learn from them all. And we're realizing God's just doing something in the Holy Spirit. And, and I was talking to my friend about what was happening, a pastor who travels around the world a lot. And he was saying this. He's like, this is funny. There's a couple churches right now in London that are experiencing this massive breakthrough. And they're like Anglican churches. Like liturgical to the bone churches. Like come in, straight legs, let's sing a couple hymns. The whole liturgy is marked out. And you got priests in full regalia. Like, like, like losing it. Like going full Pentecostal tilt. Like it's confusing everybody. And the gifts are being poured out. They're seeing some healing. They're seeing more people come to know Jesus. It's manifesting in all of this money being raised to give to the poor in the neighborhood. I mean, we're talking kingdom, like heaven crashing into earth moments. It's amazing, right? We can clap for that. England is that way. High five, guys. And so as, I'm, as he's telling this story, I go, what's like happening there? Like, what is it? You know, give me the special sauce. Like, give me the magic bullet. Like, is this something we're all supposed to pray at the same time? He goes... It's that the whole church is together. He said, that's the only thing I notice. The whole church is like living with a deeper passion for the things of God. He's like the cynicism of London that is killing the average Londoner. I think it's just like an urban thing. I don't know. It's just like getting sliced away. It's incredible. People are just joining together, stepping out in sort of faith. They're moving together and they're beginning to experience the promises of God. Let's go on. In him, verse 12, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Man, so many people, so much religion, right, is about not being able to approach God with confidence. So much religion, right, and systems build up all this fear. You got to do A, B, and C. You should fear. The scriptures are very clear. You can approach God with confidence. Amen? That's a good promise. I like that one. Freedom and confidence. It's a different sermon, but it's worth noting. 
Let me try again. <clears throat> you can approach God with freedom and confidence. Amen? Cool. I just need to be shouted down this morning. I have needs, just like you do. <laughs> I, in him, through faith, you may approach God. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that you, remember what's the you? Y'all. Out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you, y'all, with his power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that y'all, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep the love of Christ and to know the love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. You are too small a vessel for God to pour everything into. It takes y'all. Too small. When we come together, right? When we come together as a body, we aren't defined by our limitations anymore. You are a contribution to the greater whole. My weaknesses don't destroy my capacity to be a part of changing the world. When I come together with you, my weaknesses, my weaknesses don't impair me because I know I got somebody else who's going to go, yeah, yeah, I'll keep you on time. Right? This is what it is. Together we're rich. And so then he says the full measure. We can experience the full measure. If I were to tell you, right, you're like, you can get the full measure, the full measure of LeBron James. The full measure. You can have, like, I, I would just, I could give you if you wanted it to, like the ability to dunk like LeBron. If I were to tell you, like, you, I could give you the ability to play the blues like Jimmy Page. If I could tell you, you'd have Stephen Hawking's mind. I could just like, I, I got this. How many of you would be like, mm, give me a little part? Give me a part. I want a part. I don't want the whole thing. Just a little part. I don't want to fully be able to dunk. I want to be able to like sort of dribble a bit like LeBron, but I don't want to actually be able to get in the hoop. Right? I'd like to be able to, you know, like hold the guitar like Jimmy Page, just exactly hold it just like him, but I don't actually want to be able to play anything he plays. Stephen Hawking's mind. I'd love to be able to, you know, like, never mind. Like, you get it. No one wants part measure. He's like, you can experience the full measure of Christ. God is offering you the full measure to himself. Why am I not experiencing the full measure of Christ? Why sometimes I get the question when I meet with folks, why am I so empty? How many times have you wondered why you're running on empty? And it's simply because you cannot experience the full measure of God alone. You can't. We can't. We cannot experience the full measure of God alone. It only happens when we walk together. Together it is where we know love. Rooted and established in love. See, when you trust Jesus with your life, this is what happens. As an individual, you become rooted and established in love. Your identity. You own that this is who I am. I'm no longer defined by whatever you were defined by before. How clever you are, how creative you are, how much you win, or some of you, sadly, how much you fail. You got so much guilt and shame on you that, like, defines you. No longer. You're now rooted and established in love. Congratulations when you begin to trust what was already true about you. Adopt it in. Say yes. It's by grace that you've been saved. So just go, uh, yes. Yes, I begin to trust that. And you begin to live into that. That is an individual 
is where you are. But then together, it says, with all the Lord's people, if you want to grasp that love, it can only happen together. You can't know that kind of love alone. You follow me? You're rooted in it. But if you want to experience it, if you want to experience it, you've got to step in. You've got to start being honest with one another. I don't think it was a suggestion when James says, make sure you confess your sins to one another. I don't think that was a suggestion. Like, do it. You'll begin to experience amazing breakthrough. How many of you have a story where that one time you were really honest about that thing that you did? You were really honest finally with a friend and it felt like the most divine moment in the world. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Like all of a sudden you like, you just like, you said it, right? We've talked about this, man, right? You get that moment all of a sudden where you're like, <sighs> you say it out loud and you're not met with like shame or guilt or like, ooh. You're met with like, oh, come here. I got you. We'll figure this out. We'll walk this out. All of a sudden, right? You, be, you were rooted in, established in love before. You're a follower of Jesus. But all of a sudden, you can experience. Anyone else want to experience the uh, height, depth, full measure of God? Anyone else want like full LeBron? I hate that I just equated LeBron James to God, but I'm going to just keep with it. Full Jordan. Sports references for our incredibly artistic church. Great. I got both sides. I'm just, it's a me. <laughs> if you want to grasp the love, it can only happen together. We can't know this kind of love alone. And so as I said before, love's about proximity. Paul says, we talked about this last week in regards to marriage, and it relates to both. It's like a pivot point in the passage when he calls the church to mutual submission. He says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That both sets up the section on marriage, but it ends the section, or it begins to as a pivot point of everything else he's talked about. He's inviting us to submit to one another. What happens when you begin to move, submitting to one another means you're moving towards another person. You're moving towards them. When we begin to move towards people, we begin to experience the openness and joy and wonder of awe of God. We know this, right, on a very carnal level. Those of you who find yourself having an opinion about everything, anyone know anybody who's like, just has an opinion about everything? They're just the most cynical people in the room. They always have to comment. They have to comment. Oftentimes, I have found, and I've been guilty of this myself, it's when my world is at its most small. When my world is small, my mouth is big. And when my world gets big, when I'm around people who are different than me, when I'm around people who are struggling, when I'm around people who are cheesy, when I'm around people who smell, when I'm around people who are dorky, when I'm around people I don't get, when I'm around people that believe something totally different than I do, my world gets big. All of a sudden, I shut up. I don't have a lot to offer. Maybe I have like one movement of love toward that person. It's funny, we experience that, right? On just a very like visceral, physical level. Paul is calling his church, hey, when you guys come together, submit to one another, move towards each other. When you begin to move towards each other, he says all the Lord's people, you'll begin to experience the love and power and beauty of God. It will move you to a place of graciousness. It will move you to a place of openness. Paul calls it the new humanity. I think this is the gift we have to give to the world. That's all I wanna say. I share this often in our like 10 by 10 or our intro to sanctuary class. I share this story often, so forgive me if you've heard it. But recently, uh, there was a, um, 
uh, someone I know who's um, in their, you know, I think probably in their 60s or so. I know they had voted for, uh, for Trump. They were very vocal about that. And uh, there was a transgendered um, student who was sitting in the second row um, who was just really struggling with depression and, like, just didn't, just, just really just struggling. A justice advocate on the political spectrum about as far away from that other person as you could possibly imagine. Y'all tracking with me, right? And you read the news, you know where we're at, right? Okay. 60-something Trump supporter, 23-year-old justice advocate who's transgendered. Okay. They're different. <laughs> Let's make sure this point lands. Watching, watching that 60-year-old come up and begin to counsel this person, pray with them, and they know where they stand. This wasn't like a, <laughs> there was no confusion <laughs> about the two of them. Watching them move toward, literally physically in the room, that person, and begin to pray for them and to follow up with them and to provide meals for them. That's some serious mutual submission. That's some serious proximity. That's some serious passion. My gosh, I love this church. And God does too when we begin to move together. We begin to move towards each other. When we begin to choose to move, to move, not just in a spectator place. I met with a, a couple in our church who many of you love and adore. We had dinner the other night and they were talking about how, look, we could have the capacity easy to kind of live in our own world, our own family world, come to church, you know, listen to Andrew rant for a little while, listen to the music, and then have some brunch and go home and hang with our friends. But we know that we need to move into a place where being more intentional in community. And they have just a million reasons to not do it. I would understand if they didn't do it, given like just where they're at in life and location and family and all that. And they're just like, we need, to, we need to do this. We need to do this because the way of Jesus cannot be lived alone. Can't be lived alone. And so this is not some sort of, I hope you don't, any of you read this and know me as this, but this is not some sort of, hey, pressure to like, hey, get involved now. Join a serve team. That's not like the invitation coming at the end of this. Though we could use some extra people helping out. That'd be great. No, man. This. This is about <laughs> us as a church being able to experience the promises of God. I want to experience the full, the full measure. I've been told that Jesus came to give us life and life to the full, and I want to experience that life. Jesus came and said, you can begin to experience the life of heaven now, even in the midst of whatever you're going through. Jesus said, you can have a peace that surpasses all understanding. I don't know about you, but I want that. I want all of it. I've experienced it. I love it. I want more. And I want us as a church to begin to press deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper in. And this is what Paul is inviting us to. And I believe, I believe more than ever that our streets need this. I was going to come up here and like quote six New York Times and Atlantic monthly articles and to remind you all of how divided our world is, but I'm pretty sure I don't need to do that. 
Our world is so divided. Social media is making it worse. We say this, I feel like, on Sunday morning every other week. I don't want to talk about it anymore. And I don't care. I want to live it out. I want to live out the unity I want to see in the world. I want to stop getting angry at Trump tweets as if he was ever going to solve the problem in the first place. I don't want to stop getting angry at the way that we divide each other. I'm just, I'm, right? Like a new resolve. Let's have a new resolve this morning to move toward each other. To move toward each other. People are hard. People are messy. You're a mess. It's much easier to just like live in your own place. You are like in your own mythic, in your mind, you, you're perfect. And as soon as you get around other people, you're reminded that you're not perfect. I get it. Like you can be really content. But let's, let's begin. Whatever, I don't know what the next click is for you. I could offer about 100 invitations, but we got to stop. And so the only invitation I'm going to invite us to today is this. We're going to end by coming to the great unifier. This is the great Christian unifier. Jesus laid down his life for us, breaking, bursting the dividing wall, breaking it in two that separated people, bringing all of humanity back together, saying, this is what I am like, what the God of the universe is like. Come and taste my, my bread. Take my body and drink my blood. Like this, this, this visceral, physical reminder of ingest the love and forgiveness and mercy of God. And so I, I want to do something today as the, uh, as the band comes up. As you, uh, this is tough to do on a Sunday morning, and it's going to take a little extra time, so we'll, we'll be just a few minutes over today. But I want to invite you as you come up, so the servers, if you want to come up, take the bread, and someone's going to come up. We've done this a few times. You're going to come up, and you're going to take the bread, and you're going to dip it in the cup, and they're, they're going to say, um, today, they're just going to say, peace be with you. Right, because Christ made peace through his love, through his blood on the cross, we're told. Just gonna say, peace be with you. And as you dip that bread in that cup, and as you take that, what you're gonna do then is not just walk away. You're gonna take that cup and that plate from them, and you're gonna turn, and you're gonna say, peace be with you to the person who's next. You following me? Here, let's do this, Sarah. Peace be with you. We get a chance to look each other in the eye. We get a chance this, in this moment as we sing to resolve again, to move toward each other, to find community. I can talk about home groups. You know all about the different ways you can connect. Some of you have just some friends you need to double down. Your conversation needs to move past the new Stranger Things series coming out. It needs to move into things that matter most. You can have that conversation after because I'm super excited about that. Can I pray for us? Lord, uh, we want to be rooted and established in your love. And we want, uh, man, we want so much. Some of us need the healing of community this morning. You just raise your hand if you need the healing of community this morning. You've been feeling lonely. Where are my lonely people at? Very boldly, every eye's closed. Like, raise your hand. I'm lonely. I need help. God, I pray for like divine brunches. I pray for breakthrough conversations. I pray for courage to be able to move towards each other when we feel like we've done it six times and no one's responded and it hasn't been reciprocated. Lord, I pray right now you bring to mind in those of us who are not feeling lonely and feeling full, but we realize that in the, like, the, the social extroversion of our lives, we've neglected some people. I know there's some folks in this room that feel like, I, I feel like I lost a friend because I was just too busy with my own thing. Would you bring those people to mind? 
Lord, I pray uh, for those this morning that are just hungry to see our church experience more of the promises of God. We want this building full and 10 more like it. We want every old church that's like falling apart, that like can't pay its bills to be filled with a congregation of people who are just seeking to join you in what you're up to. Where are those people at? We're like more fired up than ever to see revival come, to see our city transformed. God, I pray, I pray, Lord, that we would begin to experience the full measure of your promises that you offer. Lord, that we would do this, God, not just in our isolated like moments of prayer, but you would begin to bring different aspects of the congregation together to unify us in deeper and more holy and more profound ways. And Lord, today as we come to the table, I pray for those that are hearing of this love for the, maybe the first time or the tenth time. And so for those in the room who want to say yes to Jesus, they've never just said yes. I want to trust that Christ has died on the cross, that my sins are forgiven, that I am loved at the depth of my being, that I don't no longer need to fear death, that Jesus is king, not me any longer. I want to submit to that kind of love, to that kind of father. If today is like a day, like you need to do that, that you got, it's like burning in your heart. Can I just ask you again, every eyes closed, can you just raise your hand for a moment? Anyone just needs to say yes to Jesus for the first time. Like, yes, Jesus, yes. God, I pray for this family. I pray as we come to the table, as we take the bread and dip it in the cup and are reminded of the greatest act of love the world has ever seen, that as we look each other in the eye and say, peace be with you, that we would begin to experience Experience, Lord, the, 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 a fuller measure of your love, of your graciousness, of your beauty, of your truth. Can we all stand together? Lord, you're here and in our midst. Open our eyes that we may see you, our ears that we may hear you, and our hearts, Lord.